Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You've all heard the saying before that life is too short to hold grudges. The same person might say, well, let bygones be bygones. Well, that's on the one hand. Life is too short for grudges. This old cliche, we've got a little bit backwards, as Scripture teaches us, because today's gospel message teaches us that grudges could make our life short. Hold the grudge, and your accuser hands you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, members of St. Paul, you will never get out until you pay the last penny. Now, you might say, that's fine. I'll pay the fine, even if it takes me every last penny. I'll do good in the world. A loving God can't possibly turn me down at the pearly gates. I'm sorry, but no. You simply cannot afford the ransom. Now, on the other hand, there is another side to this conversation. If you're hurt in your past, you might say, well, some wounds, they just run too deep. I can never forgive them for what they did to me. So who's right? Life too short to hold grudges, or are some wounds just too deep that they can never be healed? Well, for the person that says some wounds are just too deep, may have a defense. You might say, no, you don't understand just how badly I was hurt. I cannot forgive, let alone forget. Woe to the person who says something like that. Woe to their very soul. Their soul is in true danger. You would be liable to the hell of fire. Why? Because there are no deeper wounds in all of creation than those wounds in the hands and the feet and the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those those wounds are holes you can see through, holes you can put your hand into. And he still has those wounds. The anger of men and women and the murderous mouths of humanity, the sin of all mankind and all your grudges drilled holes into the very flesh of God. Do you feel bad about this? Because those drilled holes of a bloody suffocating death were earned by your sin. Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. Christ's wounds 
run deeper than any grudge you could ever hold. But how could God in the flesh, how could Jesus let this happen to him? Why would the Son of God take away this punishment from you? You who once refused to forgive a grudge. It was out of love for you. The Son allowed these wounds out of great humility for mankind because he wanted you and God to make up, to reconcile. Because God the Father did not say, but you don't understand, my people, they've hurt me and my wounds run too deep. God did not say that. But he had every right to. We certainly deserve the Father to turn away. Every grudge of a man or woman abandons God. Every grudge disregards his forgiveness in Christ for you. So the love of the Father sends his Son. And Jesus Christ goes to the cross and pays the ransom. Every last penny. Sins known and sins unknown. All forgiven and all forgotten. This is the culmination of the accomplishment of the law. You believe that Jesus' fulfillment of God's love for you forgives you every iota and dot. And therefore, your righteousness exceeds that of scribes and Pharisees. And you will enter the kingdom of heaven. But more so, Jesus also tells us to do with the anger that we have in our hearts for one another. What do you do with that grudge? Let that grudge die with your old Adam. Turn that burden of holding the grudge over to Christ on the cross. Because he wants the same for you to have with each other that he does for you and God the Father. To make up. To reconcile. Christ reconciles us to God and he wants us to reconcile with each other. And he says, do not dare to even approach the altar with contempt in your heart. First, be reconciled with your brother. And then, come offer your gift. Approach the altar of God with anger in your heart. And you invite upon yourself judgment. And if you do not believe in God's judgment upon Christ in your stead then the judgment of God shall be laid upon you. Forgive the grudge. Well, what is it that uh, made God so angry anyway? We talked about our anger. Well, we have shortcomings in our sins, in our grudges. In these grudges, we are simply turning away from God. We create a division between us and God. 
not just between us and God, but a division between each other. Now, you know this if you've ever worked for a company that has more than one shift. First, first shift says third shift doesn't do their job. Third shift says second shift doesn't do their job. Second shift says first shift just sits down all day in the office. Sin creates division. Also at home. For your vacation, half of your family wants to go fishing and camping, and the other half wants to go to the beach. Sin can also divide at church. There's a subject at church that divides members. At my home church, it was the kitchen remodel and where the refrigerator should be. I laughed at the time, too. But it tore people apart. This is anger. Lo and behold, this is murder. And we also have to watch out for pride, a fruit of our sin, because pride breeds anger. All people are prideful by their inherited nature. Even spiritual pride can breed anger. Here's an example. Well, in church, I think I pray more fervently. I pray more seriously. And at home, I pray more often than anybody else here. I'm a good Christian because what I, of what I have done and what I do now. I help needy people more than he does. I read the Bible more than she does. Or I don't need to go to Bible study because there is nothing I can be taught. Ask someone like this to go to Bible study, and I have seen this before. They get angry. Pride breeds anger. And anger is murder. And then we have God's judgment. Jesus says you'll be held liable to the hell of fire. And Jesus knows this because he is the Son of God. And then one day, a few years after today's Sermon on the Mount, on the back of a colt, Jesus rides into Jerusalem so that the wrath of God, the only righteous anger, also that wrath does not fall upon you, his people. But you already know that, right? You know the rest of the story. We know as Christians that Jesus died for our sins. Hindsight 2020. What if you took all that you know now about your salvation and go back 2,000 years? You're standing at the entry to Jerusalem. You're laying palms down so that the very Son of God himself will pass over it. And you know, standing there, that Jesus, on that lowly colt, is about to die to save your life. And you know God will not kill you, and you know that you will live forever. And you turn to the side, standing next to you, is that same person who wounded you. 
the one that hurt you so badly, the one that made you so angry. Now, you all know in your hearts who that person is. Jesus dies for them, too. Grudges and anger, it all seems petty when it's put into perspective. Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 5, in his Sermon on the Mount, is imploring you to reconcile to your brothers and sisters. The same sermon that gives us the Lord's Prayer. Go forth and apologize. Talk to them, even if you think you're right and they're completely wrong. But if you think that I did nothing wrong and it's all their fault... Forgive each other anyway. This is bringing peace. And if you bring your peace upon someone, if you attempt to reconcile with someone and you're rejected, you need to shake the dust off your feet. But what you do not do is say, I think you owe me an apology. That is pride. That again leads to anger coming right back to haunt you. Instead, urge your brothers and sisters for the sake of Christian brotherhood and sisterhood, urge them to put away their anger. And the anger is not only horizontal in our world. It's possible that in the past you've been angry with God. God took something away Or God took someone away from you. And you were, or are, angry with him. But yet now, today, you're in here. You're worshiping him. Why is that? Because even though you might have been mad, he never stopped loving you. You may have been so angry at him that you just wanted to look up in the sky and scream at him, yell at him. But you know what? You kept facing him. You're here in church today because of the everlasting, steadfast love of God. And you did not turn your back on him. But remember overall that long ago we first made God angry and Jesus steps in as if he was saying, Father, be angry at me instead. And Christ took it on, all of it. Because of our sin, our anger, Jesus came in on that colt to Jerusalem, on those palms, knowing that he would be tortured and suffer, nailed to the cross at Calvary. Christ is the one who took the ultimate wounds. His wounds run the deepest. And this great act of love pleased God. And the Son of God, Jesus, arose from the dead and sits at his right hand. And you know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let the anger and the grudges, let the grudges earn their own wages and die. Your old self has been crucified with Christ. And be alive. What is it to be alive to God? It's rather simple. To be alive to God in Christ Jesus is to believe that all your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.